Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. everybody just writing something down as we go happy it's a royal knockout day and welcome to this royal news agenda special with me fleet street fox and today i'm joined by the mirrors royal correspondent russell myers good morning russell good morning susie you may bow um (laughs) this is the people's paper review so get into the comments ask us your questions those of you listening later on podcast will just have to work out how to curtsy instead as you will see prince harry has joined us He's keeping a careful eye. So, uh, Russell, behave yourself. So what have we got for you today? Now, the mirror has splashed on the nurses' strike today and the fact the government's paying billions to agency staff to cross the lines while refusing the pay rise. Rather complicated fact by the fact it's often the same nurses. But we don't want to talk to you about that. Today, we have a special investigation about into the depths of Prince Harry's book, Spare, and all the bits you haven't been told or learned about in the extensive coverage Now it's that it's had. Now, whether you've been ignoring it or not, you have almost certainly got an opinion about it. So let's base some of those opinions on some facts. We have with us today Russell, who has read both the Spanish translation and most of the English one he's catching up with, so he should know what he's talking about. Uh, here's my copy. Full of notes. Look at that. Actually, been mine, yeah. Well, one, one would hope anyway. Susie. I haven't got the post-its, obviously. Um, <clears throat> and there is another follow-up about the book today on page 13. There's a former glamour model, Nicola McLean, reveals all about a wild night on tequila shots with she had with Harry. More on that a bit later. But first, Russell, you've been writing about, talking about, investigating this guy, his family for years. Was there anything, what was the most surprising bit of this book to you? Well, where to start? I mean, uh, I, I think I've had a pound for every time over the last year or so that somebody said, well, how much more is there left to say? Then uh, we probably wouldn't be sitting here because we'd be like, you know, sitting on a gold mine. because how, what have we had? We've had the Oprah Winfrey interview. We've had several US TV interviews the Netflix series, which was over six hours that I had to watch, so you didn't have to. <laughs> you I mean... really happy about your <laughs> <laughs> But then we have the book and uh, lots of rumours about whether it was sort of some rewrites after the Queen had died. It was supposed to come out in November. That got postponed till December and then January the 10th it dropped. And it did not disappoint at all. Well, probably for the royal family, but not for us journalists and royal watchers because it was absolutely explosive bombshell after bombshell very surprised that uh, you know the targeted attacks on not only prince william but the king i mean camilla came in for an absolute bruising she got called a wicked stepmother uh, talked about her um, her path to the crown how she sort of dismissed the boys who had begged their father not to marry her um, it goes on and on i mean kate who we all think is sweetness and light turning her nose up at Meghan, asking to borrow lipstick and uh, and not being too friendly when she joined the Royal Fold. So I think there was something for everybody 
inside the book. And then we haven't even mentioned Prince Harry's nether regions, have we? Because they were mentioned <laughs> more than a few times. Yeah, probably far more than we get, for example, in Prince Andrew's book, if he ever wrote one. Uh, now, Mike, yeah. now Mike says, can we have a Republican special next week? Every day is a Republican special. <laughs> so, yeah, we need to get Kevin on. I mean, Kevin is our, Kevin Maguire, our resident Republican. We've, I actually did a Facebook Live with him, actually, and uh, we sort of battled it out. Not that I'm a huge monarchist, just doing the, the job, as it were, but uh, Kevin is definitely nails his colours to the mast. And um, it's uh, maybe we should have him on again. It was quite a good fun. Yes, when we get a royal story and Kevin's on the news agenda, he's always quite mm. fun. It's always very enjoyable. Now, uh, get into the comments, everybody. Ask us your questions. Have you read the book? Have you refused to read the book? What is your opinion on based on whether or whether or not you have read the book or read the Mirror's coverage or someone else's? Um, and and what do you think about the fact he's even written it at all? Was there anything in it which surprised you? Or is all of it, you know, as Kevin Maguire would say, well, of course they're dysfunctional. Um, now, while it's been reported that Charles calls his son darling boy and he's a bit of a useless dad, there's a few things not been mentioned that I haven't seen anywhere else. And one of them is that he, that William, uh, sorry, Harry blew up his dad. He exploded his father. Now, listen to this. Um, while he was training to go to Afghan as a forward air controller the first time, he was based at Sandringham and he was talking in planes to come and bomb a pretend target and you know, say, oh, we bombed it and fly off again. And at some point when he realised he was there, his father popped down to see him and said, hello, how's it going? Uh, and Harry said, it's great, but I'm working. And so Charles said, oh, sorry, bothering you and drove off again. And then this happened. He drove off. As he went down the track, I told the typhoon, new target, grey Audi, headed southeast from my position down track towards a big silver barn oriented east-west. The typhoon tracked par, did a low par straight over him, almost shattering the windows of his Audi, but ultimately spared him on my orders. <laughs> um, now, that's not quite funny. If I had a typhoon, I might well try and bomb someone with it um, and give them a, 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 a sort of the heads up. But their relationship, um, Russell, it's a really strange one that comes out of the book. Um, yeah. You know, he, he's one of the standout bits is the huge number a revolving number of sort of alpha male father figures that come through his life. The equerries, the, some of the staff, his bodyguards, his CO, uh, some of his commanding officers in, in Afghanistan, for example. These ex-military types, cool, ruthless leaders of men, you know, what you'd want out of a king, really, mm. say, in history. Um, he just doesn't have that relationship with his dad, does he? Is that is that part of the problem, do you think? Yes, I think so. And, and that passage you just read, I think a psychologist would have a field day with it because there, there are these sort of um, layers that are smattered around the book talking about his relationship with his father and how, um, I mean, Charles almost becomes this forlorn figure who has failed Harry and at every juncture within his life, talking about that uh, when he finally went to him. Uh, well, first of all, it talks about when he came in and told him Diana passed away his, his mother had tragically died in the car accident uh, in Paris and he yeah. just sat, sat at the end of the bed didn't hug him didn't cry just sort of That's said yeah. she patted his knee and said that she, she didn't make it and that was it she just he just left the room and uh, and Harry he paints his picture as though he was just left to get on with it and at certain times his brother was there for him um and and th th then their relationship completely soured and, and it's 
in the state that it is now. But in terms of Charles, Charles comes across as as, a, as quite a sad character, and I don't I don't think from from knowing and working with him for many years that that is the full picture because I do think he's a he might not be the the, the archetypal of a father going to watch their son playing football or rugby at the weekend and uh, and cheering them on. But you know, there is a sensitive side to him. And I just think that Harry is, um, as is well demonstrated throughout the book, he has an awful lot of issues. And uh, I mean, his father is right, one with the father is right at the top of the tree, unfortunately. Yeah, it's, it's, it's sad. I mean, he does, he really loves his dad. He's very understanding, it would appear, about the fact he's he's so difficult, find it so difficult to express his emotions. He he knows that it's there and he loves his grand and she's got the same kind of issue. Does she he's never hugged her? There's one bit where he's talking about the golden jubilee and he wants to reach out and hug her because she's having fun. And he daren't because no one ever has. You know, well, he, talk, he talked previously, uh, I think it was in the Oprah Winfrey interview, about this genetic pain and how basically his father said to him, well, I had to go through it, so you're going to have to go through it. And that was about not only his life, uh, his upbringing, his livelihood, what it meant to be a royal, but also there, the, when you have a partner coming onto the scene as well. And that's what he, he articulated in the book about how he tried to explain how it was to Megan, but obviously didn't do a very good job because they didn't they didn't last very long. But you get it. I mean, as you mentioned, that Kevin would have probably said, "Well, of course, they're dysfunctional," and I think that everybody would have known that, especially after Christmas. We've already been with our own families, haven't we? But <laughs> the level of um of, of how dysfunctional they are is is quite off the scale. And I think probably, I mean, Megan had said herself that she thought um it would be a royal family. She said this in a Netflix series, royal family, you know, front facing, out and about, but behind closed doors, it would be a normal family. And I think uh, demonstrated within this book and everything we've known over the last year or so uh, demonstrates that it, it, it pretty much isn't. No, exactly. And of course, we can't forget Prince Charles wrote his own book back in the 90s or cooperated with the biography of him in which a lot of this stuff was said that his parents didn't really give him any emotional support, that he was raised in a very cold and emotionless way. So perhaps that's why Harry is fairly understanding that that is how Charles is, um, but is seeking it somewhere else, you know, from all these manly men who take him off to Africa and Afghanistan and places like this. And he knows he's not getting that from his dad. Um, but, and perhaps why we're so a bit more understanding about Charles being a fairly poor father, because it's not, it's not really his fault. It seems to have been. Yeah, I, I suppose. I suppose that where Harry comes in, he wants to try and break the chain, doesn't he? And the, mm -hmm. and he, I mean, he even talks about um, in the interviews that he gave recently that he wants to uh, he wants to help his brother's children. You can imagine how much that has angered William because. As he said in, in one of the print interviews the other day, well, like, my brother's basically told me to keep my nose out. And why wouldn't he? I mean, he's already trashed him and his family in this book. Then I think one of the red lines that Harry has, uh, has definitely crossed is, is commenting on, uh, on William and Kate's children. And that certainly won't go anywhere to repairing these relationships. But, I mean, it's as I said, it's bombs all over the place. Um, it'll be very interesting to see what happens going forward because... Harry has, has has basically thrown his uh, his his family out in the bin, but while also saying that he wants to to reconcile with them, and and then by saying, but people in Africa brought him up. There was nannies, there was other people in the army, yeah. and, him, and his family weren't there for him. So I, I think it will be quite hard for them to bring him back into the fold. Yeah. Now Missy Moo says I hadn't heard about Lippygate before the book. It was shocking snobbery where Kate didn't want Megan to borrow her lip gloss. Or the fact that she put it on her lip and on her finger and then rubbed it on her lips. I mean, 
Is that a thing? I'm I'm pretty sure I've borrowed people's lip gloss. So it's a bit frosty outside. I mean, well, maybe not the lip gloss. Maybe the yeah. salve is what you're talking about there. <laughs> yeah, so, the unless, yeah, but only revelation coming out. <laughs> you got an exclusive. But I mean, is this a big deal? I mean, it Kate comes across as quite snobby and uptight uh, in several instances in the book, and I think that that was one of them. There's another one where almost uh, William uh, and Kate had summoned. Megan and Harry over to their their grand uh, twenty bedroom apartment um, at Kensington Palace, and they're sort of sitting on two throne chairs, like Pete, Peter and Katie, at the other end of the uh, at the other end of the yeah. uh, room, and uh, they're just sitting on a couch being admonished. It's um it it all becomes a little bit you know the hierarchy all plays out, and you can understand why Harry. But again, this let's, is a let's try and be a bit because I mean William, I mean while Harry has been raised as the spare his whole life, like literally. Oh. Your purpose is to be a kidney or some some stem cells if necessary. Um, William's been raised to be the heir. And so when he does have his own family home in Kensington Palace and Harry says, well, it looks like a museum. It's full of all this stuff. And he, well, he's probably got a, he's got a, he's going to have a sense of his own grandeur, isn't he? Because he's been treated like that his whole life. William Hannah. Well, very much so. And yes. I mean, Harry was coming in for a bit of stick living in Nottingham Cottage. And it's, it is a, it's a small cottage. It, it might be on the Kensington Palace estate, but you can understand he wasn't being given the freedom to do what he wanted to do. You can understand um, him coming from the issue of like, well, where do I fit in this? I'm kind of working for the family business, but I'm not even getting a shareholding within it so but but then to, to there, there would have been a better way I think I mean indeed they did end up moving to to Windsor they had sort of the, the run of it out there they weren't being bothered at all and um, and yet it still wasn't enough for them so there's definitely some uh, some issues all, all over the place with the family as well isn't there yeah now uh, Ian says Harry seems to be trying to run away from the royals but I don't agree with all his slating and dropping stuff that's damaging the crown it strikes me Ian that what we've got here is a princess die for the social media age as I think someone put it on Twitter the other day he's not doing anything particularly different to the kind of stuff his mum said she would have said in 97 92 rather that um you know she just wanted to, to break some of the problems that the family had and wanted to make it better for her sons and for the children and that going forward and all the rest of it and that we needed to talk about these things and be more emotional uh um and you know this is where we are diana is is his mother and harry is very much her son isn't he now keep asking your questions everybody Get into the comments and let us know what you think. Is uh, Harry and is the royal family healthy? Is it actually a family? Because there's a lot of stuff there when, when Harry says he wants to reconcile with his family. And the first thing that occurred to me is, mate, you haven't got one. You don't mm -hmm. have a normal family. You don't have a mum and a dad, precisely because it's not a mum, but you don't even have a brother. You have or a grandmother. You have just a line of succession that people are shuffling up and down to get further away from Uncle Andrew most of the time. Um, but they're, they're always competing and there's this hierarchy. It's one of the things he talks about and that he just can't stand. So I just, I don't know if he's got a family to, he wants that perfect alpha male dad and a perfect, you know, alpha male older brother kind of thing. And they all have a nice role together. I just, I can't see. That's, that's not these people, really. Yeah, I mean, there's a reason they call it the firm, isn't there? Because mm -hmm. it's, a, it's a family business and it's very, very separate from, fam from family. And if you've watched Succession over the last couple of years, it's very, very much like that. There's, there's you know, a matriarch, patriarch at the top, 
who who pretty much is running the show and then all the other people are vying for the attention i mean that's what harry was talking about i, I don't know whether i buy into this completely but um he's saying that the, the, the royals always vying to be on the front pages always vying for the attention for to have their charities and their um engagements more publicly known it's kind of, you know, a little bit of squabbling. But as you say, it's dysfunctional. It doesn't really uh, fit into the normal family mode. Mm. And and everybody else seems to get on with it. They ended up they ended up being a bit bit damaged down the line. And, and you can understand why Harry was saying you know, it doesn't need to be like this. However, there are more people that think, well, it does need to be like this. It's been going on for over a thousand years. And uh, and that's the way it is, old boy. And you either, you either put up... Or uh, or you shut up, don't you? And it's therefore, classic um, up exactly. There's a bit. Yeah, of that. I mean, he's, he's gone about it a, a way that a lot of people don't um, don't agree with. Um, but I, I don't think we've heard the last of it at all. No, of course not. We'll get onto that at the end. And skip ahead, Russell. Um, we've got a few things like the monarchy does slow and steady on this particular broadcast. So, um, and one of the things that is talked about in here, just on that point about the, the royals quibbling with each other, is that that they're vying as to who gets how much in the court circular and who is seen to do the most engagements. But how many engagements they can do depends on how much money they get out of the top. So William and Harry are relying on their father to fund their engagements. But yet one of the other them would get accused of being lazy or something or not doing enough work because their number of engagements might have dropped. And But that dependent on their father, not them. And they, they can't do stuff that isn't approved of. And the rest of the family is dependent on the monarch. So... You know, it's a bit like they're, they're vying to get in the court circular and look like they're doing the most engagements, because actually, what they're what what they're what they're trying to do is they're they're pitching, aren't they, for more money the next year, like any business or any employee. You're coming up to personnel review time, and you're going, well, I need more money to do it for my budget for my job to mm -hmm. go and do this thing over here. They want to prove they're effective, and it's. That's again, that's not a family. This man doesn't have a normal family. He's 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 in a business. He's in an, an enterprise. Well, it is an institution, isn't it? But well, well it is. I mean, just uh, and on that point, you, you he's, the squabbling even becomes so ludicrous that it's 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 definitely like a business, but even some sort of uh, alternate reality because they're they're discussing about what their um their uh, engagement should be over the next year harry's talking about the fact that he wants to do something in africa and, and apparently according to harry william snaps africa's mine you've got veterans i mean on what planet is that a normal conversation yeah. but that's that is the hierarchy you can't do things that um the the, the, the bosses are doing whether that's the, the late queen charles or William, and I think that definitely Harry and Meghan had had those issues that they were wanting to do um, sort of parts of of the of the job, as it were. But other members of the royal family already had their fingers in those pies, so they couldn't get involved. And this this tells you how um, dysfunctional it is. And it, there isn't a set program, even though it's been going for for you know centuries and centuries. Um, and yeah. those are the, those are the big problems. It's very much what you can fight for, isn't it? Now, Fred says, is Charles Spencer not a father figure for Harry? Um, he references in the book, you know, the the, the funeral um, wallop, I suppose, the speech that Charles Spencer gave at Diana's funeral. But he doesn't really talk about him much after that. So it would appear probably not, Fred. Um, now, keep getting into the comments. Ask us your questions. Uh, what do you think about how the royals are organised as an institution? Is it a fair institution? Is it one of those ones that we used to lock people up in with padded rooms? And perhaps we ought to just let the doors open now and, and let them have their freedom. Um, now, we've we've been through Prince Charles and the father figures. We've 
had a little discussion of uh, the hierarchy, but you know, it's been reported, one of the things that was mentioned, Russell, was that Harry wasn't really William's best man and that that was, quote, a barefaced lie. But in the book, there's a bit more detail on it. So listen to this. Will, um, Will's best men were just two civilians, two innocents. Had they been outed, the rabid press would have chased them, tracked them, hacked them, investigated them, ruined their families' lives. Both chaps were shy and quiet. They couldn't handle the onslaught and couldn't be expected to. Willie explained all this to me and I didn't blink. I understood. We even had a laugh about it, speculating about the inappropriate things I might have said in my speech. Now, he then goes on to say that he did make a bit of a speech and what was in it. He did some of the telegrams and stuff like that, which you normally expect the best man to do. And then these other two gave a talk um, at, the, at Will's wedding. Um, but the, the fact that that was kind of all reported as I wasn't best man, my brother lied when the truth the, the deeper context is a bit that well there were some others who didn't deserve that attention and so I completely understood that that wasn't really my role that's the kind of minutiae which isn't terribly hurtful or, or bad or damaging to anyone or anything but it does get a bit misrepresented and that's the kind of tiny thing that Harry obsesses about and it sends him around the twist doesn't it so how, does, how yeah. does that happen? How do we get from the point in the book where he's saying, I understand I wasn't best man, to it being widely reported all around the world, my brother told a barefaced lie? Well, it's the language used. I think that it, as you hit the nail on the head, it's Harry's obsessive nature, whether it's his family, whether it's uh, being told no, the press, uh, his mother. I mean, it, it's, it's completely layered within the book. Now, the issue, the issue I had with this, because as you perfectly explained, if he just told that story, everybody could understand it. I mean, the press would come in for a bit of a kick in. I don't think everybody would have been at camping outside the two best men's homes. Uh, it was a very, very different world even back in 2011. But he it, that's just the way it was. He tells the story about William explaining to him, this, this is the way it's got to be, old boy. I'm sure you understand but then to, to use the language of a barefaced lie makes it very, very aggressive. And I think that, again, his relationship, uh, which is in the gutter with his brother, just sort of rails through once again um, using this example. I mean, he might well be talking about a lie, say, by his brother's office rather than his brother. But, you know, the fact that is that this family communicate through their offices, really, not necessarily. They don't pick up the phone to each other. They don't seem mm. to. I think only Harry and Wills appear to text some of the younger generations, but the older ones, it's all very much talk to father's office and get a phone call place later on today sort of thing. Now, you did mention um, some other things, and Wills does come in for a bit of a pasting in the book, as we all know, but there does seem to be a bit of a good reason for it uh, once or twice. For example, when Harry, as you said, Russell, starts wanting to talk about environmentalism, having just already set up the Invictus Games, which were very successful, he decides he wants to do something about environmentalism and, and damage to things in Africa. He goes out with some friends in Botswana. He saves rhino from poachers and things like this. Um, but, you know, Wills is quoted as saying, uh, you, you, you can't, it's, it's furious. He doesn't want Harry to do anything in Africa at all in terms of like a public, you know, have, a, have an issue in Africa. Like he can visit it, he can go there, that's allowed. Mm. He's not allowed to talk about it. He says, rhinos, elephants, that's mine. Um, I let you have veterans. Why can't you let me have African elephants and rhinos? Now, I can just imagine the stamped foot that probably accompanied that. Aside from the, the childishness and the tantrum that involves, both these men have got problems. 
haven't they? They're both grown-ups and they're behaving like this. What's what's your analysis of that, Russell? Harry's had too much therapy and William hasn't had enough? Well, I mean, listen, I'm, I'm not a psychologist, but it does seem that, um, as I said, that, that Harry's obsessive nature on so many uh, categories and issues throughout the book, I, I found quite troubling. I found that his whole obsession with the press, we saw that, in, in interestingly, um, in the TV interviews he gave. I mean, even Tom uh, Bradby at ITV was talking to him about, do you not accept that the third in line to the throne or whatever you were there taking class a drugs is not a matter of public interest and without breaking stride he just says well what a, what is a matter of public interest is the relationship between the institution and the press and i think that that's that sort of goes right through the book right through um his his being almost he's completely and utterly obsessed mm-hmm. um has, has he had too much therapy I, again, I, I couldn't comment, but it does seem that he, he gets a lot of things jumbled up. He talks about having um, an awful lot of therapy throughout his life. Um, listen, I think that, that all the family are dysfunctional in the extreme and they don't and they just don't help each other. And whether that's to uh, working with, uh, with, with their African elephants or with veterans, it all spills out into this awful mishmash of, um, of having trying to have a normal relationship when it's, uh, yeah. it's anything but, isn't it? And let's let's talk about this drug stuff for a minute. Um, now he's he's talked about, and to be fair, um, science is investigating and has found some good links and evidence to say that sort of some psychedelic drugs can help some mental conditions, some mental illnesses, particularly depression, things like that. And they're talking about finding ways to put it into a pill, so you not the kind of pill you get on the pub, proper pill you get from the chemist, um, so that you can actually have some of the benefits of you know calming down bits of your brain with with some um, narcotics. But as he says in the book, he's taken cocaine at Eaton. He's had a lot of weed in his life. He's had psychedelics. He's had mushrooms in Courtney Cox's house. He's had ayahuasca, the sort of South American native psychedelic. Um, And he doesn't seem to have plugged anywhere that these are crimes. Number one. And he's he's third in line to the throne, which is a point Tom Bradby was making. You know, if you were speeding in your car, if you were, as as Harry has been accused of before now, I think, or investigated for shooting the wrong kind of a protected bird on your mother's estate, grandmother's estate in Sandringham, anything like that, it's a crime, and it's it's not good. Whether you agree that these drugs should be criminal or not, they are criminal at present, and if he's taking them and talking about the benefits of taking them, there is a huge public health discussion, debate, issue about that. He doesn't seem to have noticed that maybe drugs are bad sometimes for some people. Well, the issue is he's not a public health official either. I mean, whether he's speaking about taking uh, magic mushrooms, psychedelics and the the benefits, I mean, there's many medical papers that have been written on that but Harry certainly isn't an authority on the subject Uh, and and I get I I think a lot what people will find within his interviews and within this book is the 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 privilege that seeps through um, every facet of his life whether it's him talking about being on the uh, going to Eton or the estates or basically never really having a proper job and having to worry about money like the rest of us, um, but also talking about you know, booking first-class flights for Meghan's mom and this, that, and that. I just think that he's he's in it. He's on a different planet in terms of tr- trying to make himself accessible to uh, to the people, um, and yet talking about wanting a normal family. I mean, maybe he will get 
some sense of that with uh, with with living apart from them. But he's still living in a forty million dollar mansion in Montecito, and um, and has been paid an awful lot of money to just completely trash his family. And I think that a lot of people will find that quite unsavoury. Yeah, there does seem to be a lot of negativity about it from from people in general, in, in the same way we didn't quite see with Diana's book, which wasn't wildly different. Um, now, Pamela says, wouldn't you be unhappy if you'd lived his life? Calling it obsessing when it comes to the press is a bit rich, given the headlines from tabloids. Obviously, Pamela, the media obsess about um, them too, yes. Uh, and got to try and remember, the royal family's been in existence for a thousand years. The entire population's been obsessed about them because they have had, for most of that time, what happened with the royal family, who they married, had a massive political impact on all our lives and whether we went to war and whether dad died and all the rest of it. And now it seems to be that it's our national soap opera. The 300 years or so that the press have been going, they've been part of that as well. But the press is made up of normal human beings like me and Russell. We are as interested in it as anybody else is or disinterested in Russell's case, perhaps. Um, and we are, you know, we, we're able to talk about it and have opinions, same as everybody else. And I think if you went to a pub and said, Prince Harry, anybody, you'd have a thousand opinions straight away. And that's not because of the press. If you got rid of every journalist tomorrow, right, there was none of them left, no newspapers, no TV, none of this anymore, he would still get packed. Well, yeah, and the, the, one of the things is, I mean, look at this book. It's been the fastest-selling non-fiction book ever. Uh, it's the it's the fastest-selling, biggest-selling memoir in its first week. I mean, it's probably done about two million copies now. Uh, Seven hundred fifty thousand of those are in the UK, literally just in its first week. So people are very, very interested, and whether that's what Harry has to say. I mean, Netflix uh, have paid him an awful lot of money. He's been, I mean, hundred million, talking about thirty odd million for a three book deal. People are very, very interested. And I think what, what the, the, the issue is, which I find difficult, is when Harry and Meghan really confuse the two worlds of, of the media and social media and the people that are obsessing about them in very, very different ways. Of course, he's grown up in this awful goldfish bowl. Could you even imagine uh, living within it? Mm. Uh, and no wonder he's left it, given uh, the, the examples that he gives about his family. But um, but certainly I think that there's a, a lot of convenient truths for, for Harry that uh, a lot of the time he gets um, he gets wrong. Or, yeah. Certainly uh, mistaken about a lot of things. Yeah. Legal Eagle says here, why are you assuming Harry's words are truthful? Why are you believing mm. him against William simply because he has published them? And why do you believe his narrative about William's wedding? There's a few things going on here, Legal. First off, uh, I don't think it's a case of believing his words are truthful. There has been quite a lot of analysis of the book so far in the fact and putting out the things that aren't right, the things that he misremembers or gets wrong. For example, there's one section where he says that Megan went to the local supermarket in Kensington and came home and collapsed because she's seen this rack of newspapers that all had her name on the front and people were getting their phones out and taking pictures of her. Um, it didn't happen. She wasn't on the front on, on that day when we all know she was there and we can prove it. So th there's, and, and those newspapers weren't next to the teals, all this stuff. There's things that are wrong. But he does also say in the book that he's got a huge problem with his memory. And this is one of the things. Uh, he says that he's, he's got a problem with his memory, perhaps linked to his mother's death and the, the problems with that, because amnesia can be part of grief. Um, and he, he said, I just can't recall stuff. My memory's, you know, memory involves feeling and I don't want to feel. So I just can't remember some things. And what he does remember is obviously a bit up in here. And as for when, when you're believing him against someone else or putting his words because he's published them, it's the same with Diana in a way. If someone publishes it, you go, well, is this true? And if someone else doesn't answer that question, then 
you, you're kind of left with the view that it is. And this is the problem that the royal family's got at the moment, isn't it, Russell? That um, if they're not talking about the book, then the book, true or not, becomes the accepted narrative. It becomes part of history because that's the thing, the only thing people can reference. And so whatever Legal Eagle says there about whether or not it's right or, or the fact that Harry admits his memory is faulty, that becomes what we all think of as well. Remember when you said this, it was a barefaced lie, it was this, it was that, it was the other. You're welcome, Legal. Well, again, I think you talk about a dignified silence. Some people would say that uh, the, the royal family have played the wrong card there because, I mean, they've all come in for a, such a bruising. Um, one would have expected them to respond. But I suppose it was very different to the Oprah Winfrey interview where you had the allegations of racism within the royal family, which, which incidentally Harry and Meghan have said that they weren't uh, accusing the royal family of being racist, but that's another matter. Then you had the, the issues of, of Meghan feeling suicidal, very, very pointed references to their time within the royal family. The Queen then ended up making that unprecedented statement, recollections may vary, whereas this book is just so many explosive allegations and, and accusations within it, there's too much to respond to. And um, we, we've heard Harry talking about the briefing and the leaking and the planting of stories. Well, one, I can tell you that that never, ever happened to myself or, or, or to my knowledge colleagues, but also it hasn't happened now. Absolutely. Buckingham Palace, Kensington Palace have shut up shop. They haven't said anything. They're, allow they're allowing this to just play through, hoping it will end up going away because we're moving towards getting back to work. All the, the, the focus is going to be on the king's coronation. Um, but of course, it is, it's one narrative. And I think that because Harry's spoken so much, people are understanding that uh, it's definitely one side of the story or his truth as Oprah Winfrey would say. Mm, yeah and we've got to bear in mind I think some Prince Andrew might have some more issues later this year uh, with the gagging order on Virginia Giuffray yeah. coming to an end so perhaps the palace is assuming that another royal will take over some of the work that Harry's been doing. Now um, Cheryl Lee says Harry's doing drugs I don't like drugs but for a royal to say he's done them and come out and say he has respect to him for telling people his story I'm loving his book. One of the things I've got a problem with this book Cheryl Lee one of the things, um, I don't like drugs either. And I've got, I've, as a journalist, as a news reporter, I've sat through countless inquests where someone's just, even just weed, someone's just smoked far too much of it and they've become psychotic. Uh, and that may not have happened if they hadn't smoked all the weed to start with. And then they go out and run under a bus and they die. And there's terrible tragedies and things like this. Um, I've sat in drug dens. I've spoken to heroin addicts. I've been in places that are just littered with needles um, and and people who take a lot of drugs over a long period of time are going to have problems with their emotions. They're going to have problems with their ability to tell the truth. And as a journalist, when you're trying to interview a drug addict, it's, oh my God, it's difficult because you're trying to pin it down. Um, and Harry doesn't reference or think or talk about any of that. He doesn't say, Perhaps the problems with my memory aren't just linked to my mother's death. Perhaps it's the fact I've taken so much stuff. My brain has been rewired a bit. Um, but he doesn't talk about the fact that, you know, he's been to how many rehab units and he knew he had he was drinking too much once or twice, but he kept on drinking. He still can drink quite a lot. Um, and he's probably still taking having the occasional joint and stuff like this. Now, it, I just I think that. I think in the whole book, there's there's one mention of a seatbelt, a seatbelt, which you'd have thought would make a big difference to him in his life. And they would campaign about seatbelt wearing these brothers. But no, they don't. It's just one mention. There's lots of mentions of the paps, of course, in the press. One mention of a seatbelt. 
Um, and he's just not talking about the stuff that you'd think as a normal human being, that you would go, uh, do you know what drugs are? Drugs are a bit unwise. Um, and where's he getting them from? And who's supplying him? And is it a crime? And is it really healthy, some of this stuff? And he's talking about using psychedelic drugs to, to, to medicalize or to treat his own mental health. And you go, well, hang on, mate. Which doctor advised you on this? Or is it just you? You've decided to self-medicate, which isn't really the wisest way of going about it. Um, it's there's, there's so much stuff in this, which I'm left at the end of it, Shirley, saying at the end of this book that there needs to be another book because there's so much stuff that's unexplained. Or that is this the stuff that got cut out, the 400 pages he cut, Russell? Or mm. is this just stuff he's... I heard one person say he was myopic. He's short-sighted. He can only see here. And is that one of the problems? He just can't see far enough to see some of the well, issues. Listen, I mean, I think you, well, first and foremost, your, your wish might come true because Harry has said in the last few days that he, he had to cut the book in half, that there, there, is, another, there is another book um, in the offering. But, I mean, I think that's pretty much tantamount to blackmail. The fact that he's saying that he wants his family to come forward they haven't had any uh, uh, cause to, to to make an effort to reconcile with him. And what did he say? He says, well, you know, I might have more in my locker, even though he's spent the last few weeks um, completely trashing them all. There is a lot, there is a there is not a lot of introspection at all from Harry. I mean, whether you're talking about drugs, whether it's talking um, in the TV interviews, I, I really did think they would say, both him and Megan and him in the book, Listen, we all made mistakes. We all said things we we didn't uh, we didn't mean in the heat of battle almost. And if we had our time again, we probably would have ended up at the same spot we are now. But we would have done things a little differently. Not one iota of uh, of that sort of explanation of uh, of his own behaviour. And I, th I think that's pretty troubling. That it's his way or the highway. He's the one who's right. He's the one who's leading this. Um, white knight crusade across the, through the royal family trying to save it from itself but um it again it doesn't it isn't like that there is one side of the story that we are being told um and i think that the royal family will probably let the dust settle a little bit before people start talking um whether that is publicly i very much doubt it but i'm sure we'll start hearing things across um the next few months now, we're going to wrap up in a little bit, everybody. So those of you who've joined us more recently, if you want to ask any questions of me or the Royal Correspondent Russell, then get into the comments and let us know. What do you think about Harry, his use of drugs, uh, the way he's what he's doing for the family? Is it going to work? Is he going to fix the royal family? Is this going to achieve what he wants it to do? Um, and can we really blame Meghan? You know, if, if she's married to the man who is arguably quite unwell, then surely she should be praised. And also we should realise that this isn't all down to her Let's face it. Now, Harry does sort of tend to blame the press for absolutely everything in his book. I was mm -hmm. waiting for the point where he would stub his toe and blame the, a photographer for it. It was that bad. Everything was, everything was the press's fault. He never talks about the times he had good publicity. He never talks about the praise he had for Invictus Games and things like this. Um, and he likens even the press to the Taliban because the Taliban rode motorbikes in Afghanistan and the Pats rode motorbikes in London. But he gets to blow the Taliban up, you know, as as a member of the press. That's a little unsettling. Um we can understand why he has a problem and it, things don't always go his way, but sometimes it has gone his way. Um, and he lacks, seems to lack that sort of perspective to see 
he talks about how the royal family is frightened of the media and that they need them in order to sort of, they think they need to justify their existence. But let's be honest, if we didn't have this national soap opera with the Queen or Prince Margaret or Diana or anybody else or Harry, would the royal family be remotely relevant to any of us if we couldn't identify our own dysfunctions and families with them and see, well, you know, we've had a divorce or we've had a difficult daughter-in-law or whatever it might be. Um, they wouldn't be relevant if we didn't have this kind of national entertainment out of it, in a way. Does does Harry want the royal family to end? Because he wants that relationship with the press to break, doesn't he? Well, he talks that he's asked by Tom Brabby. Uh, well, I think it was... a. Um... Yeah, one of the TV interviews recently, I mean, so many recently, but do you still believe in a monarchy? And he says, yes, I do, which is very hard to see because he's just spent the last few weeks absolutely giving them a grilling, um, talking about the fact that his brother's children, I can come back to this, but I think it's quite a really serious point that he, he, he almost not only wants to change it now, he wants to change the future and, again, sees himself as some sort of crusader for his brother's children, talking about how one of... Charlotte, George or Louis will end up being the spare as he was and then kind of saying that they'll pretty much have a mental breakdown like he had. Listen, there are there is so many issues with Harry. Does he want to wreck the institution? It does seem like that because of everything that he said and the way he has gone about it. Um, again, I think you can look at the, the accusations of greed that are now being levelled at, at, at him. He's taken an awful lot of money to do all of this over the last few uh, over the last few years, um, and it's uh, it's all it's all becoming a bit unsavoury. So I think they will hope that he just sort of disappears into the background for a bit. They can get on with uh, with getting back on track and um, and try and bring it all together. Um, yeah, he needs that. He needs that money to exist because well, definitely, yeah. he, he doesn't have any other way of existing. He's got enormous security costs and worries and concerns. Well, he did have a. I, you know, I, I do get this point, but he, he, he does have an awful lot of money. I mean, the Queen Mother left him an awful lot of money, his mother's estate. I mean, rumours, he had about 25 to 30 million pounds in his own bank account. So he's not um, living on the breadline. So you could, you could say by doing everything that he's done, Oprah, all the other TV interviews, Netflix, you know, Spotify contracts for Megan and whatever, they are raking it in. And at some point, they've got to be pulled up and uh, and to kind of say enough now, because it's a, it's all a little bit unsavoury. Yeah. Now, Abby Shell, or is it Abby's Hell? Who knows? Says he needs to be, I think she's from Australia, he needs to be severed from the royal family. Gosh, that's harsh. Charles can always leave the door open as his father, but the monarchy, the UK, public and Commonwealth need to take precedent. This is the issue, Abby. This is the entire thing. It's a family that is also a constitutional organisation, if you like. And the one, the needs of the one are constantly pulling against the needs of the other. Is it fair and reasonable to do this? Now, Harry would probably say he doesn't want to destroy the royal family. He wants to shake it up a bit. But let's just see what would happen if Harry got everything he wanted. OK, there's no more cooperation with the media whatsoever. They, they, not that they cooperate much in my experience anyway, but they, they just don't deal with the media whatsoever under any circumstances. Right. But they have to correct every single royal story that there is. So they do have to say every every time there's a little tiny thing, they've got to correct every single tiny issue. Um, they've got to be aware of, you know, uh, royals looking at social media comments and worrying about that and deleting them and, and, and catering for that. They have to carry on. They have to treat every single member of the royal family as equal. All the children matter just as much in terms of the monarchy and the institution. So that means you don't really have a, a king or a queen who's a king or a queen anymore. You've always got 
three or four kings or queens um, who have equal status in, in the hierarchy. That doesn't make any sense. Or do you just have one monarch whose job is to be monarch and the spare is allowed to go off and do all these issues all around the world? Because then what's the monarch left to do? Just to sit there, wear a, wear a crown? I mean, yeah. we can do it, but it's not, it's not particularly stressful, is it? I don't know what Harry's end game is in terms of whether what he wants is even, if he wants it to be better for Louis and Charlotte, how? How can it possibly get better for them if you still have that institution? Because you've still got what Abby was talking about there, the constitutional pull, the fact that Commonwealth has to come before family and the, and the monarchy. You still have the fact that one of them is going to have the grandeur and the big house and the money and the crown. And the other two are going to be reliant on them for funding. And how many of us are on great terms with our siblings that they would actually keep giving us millions every year? Not, not an awful lot, probably. I don't think that would really happen. I think he wants. I think he wants him on bended knee to apologise to him, and that's from his father right down to his brother and and who else has offended him over the last, his livelihood, uh, life, life. Yeah, uh, but listen, I mean, I, I, th I think what what does Harry, what does Harry want? What is his end game? I mean, he's made an awful lot of money by doing the one thing that he knows how to do, which is talk about his life and, and the royal family. So uh, wh where does it end? I mean, I can't, I cannot imagine him going to the coronation. I think that there may be some form of, you know, discussions with him because I think the, the family will be worried for him. I mean, he's, he doesn't talk like a, uh, a well man, put it that way. They're talking mm. about his obsessive behaviour, the things that are eating him up, talking about him. In fact, he think he's very, very happy with his new life in California. Sometimes it doesn't always appear like that. And I'm sure moving to a foreign country almost forcibly and not being able to come back to uh, Britain, as, as he said, that he, he does miss, um, must be grating on him. So I, I think he will want the recollection. Uh, reconciliation but I, i'm not too sure the family will want it um yeah right i think now. he wants a reconciliation with his ideal family mm. of his and he doesn't which, know. which doesn't exist in any any you know any parallel universe at all it just that will not exist they yeah. they feel as though they've got a job to do i think the, the last comment was about the the uk the commonwealth and the realms that needs to be protected at all costs you talk about the queen's you know, duty before everything well, that, that still has to, to reign through. Um, and and that, unfortunately, it's not going uh, to be how Harry wants it. No. And as everyone knows, recollections can vary, especially yeah. if you're taking mushrooms. Now, um, one thing we just need to quickly talk about, uh, there's been reported that, uh, for example, when wow. Meghan met Kate, she tried to hug her and she sort of recoiled a bit and didn't like it. But it's also, it says in the book, that when she met... Uh, welcome traveling soap 44 minutes late to the party uh it's well it's reported that when um she met william for the first time and kate wasn't there it's the first meeting she just reached forward megan reached forward and hugged him and he recoiled and he just seemed to dislike her probably on a on what jeremy clarkson might call a cellular level everything about megan he was concerned about especially the speed with which his brother had fallen for her and i think perhaps you know, he fell very quickly for Chelsea. He fell very quickly for Cressida Bonus, according to this book, and very quickly for um, for Meghan as well, and then decided Meghan was perfect, perfect, perfect. He's got this idea, because his mother died when he was 12, perhaps, that his mother is now perfect, okay? And he's met a woman who is perfect, and she she's already famous, so she won't mind the paps kind of thing. And he's got this issue with his dad, who's not enough of a, the dad that he wants, this sort of rough and tough army dad. He's, he's not that guy. And, and he's in a strange institution. He's he's Diana's son, right? So he's, he's 
her brain thought a different way to start with. So he's he's a bit screwy to start with in the way he's thinking. He's more screwy because of that family that he was raised in uh, and not really having quite the, the fatherhood and the, the childhood that he should have had because of the way his mother died and the, the fact that he lost her so early. Then he's got this media attention, which has followed him his whole life. And is, at one point in his life, he didn't seem too bothered about it. And then he's become more obsessive. He's this, he's a deeply unwell man. But why don't we... Why don't we as a nation treat him perhaps a little bit more as we would have done Diana or perhaps a little bit more as we would do any other veteran who's plainly, plainly got PTSD. He's, he's got panic attacks, nightmares, depression, flashbacks. He's self-medicating. There's a section in the book where a leopard crosses his path in Botswana and he thinks it's his dead mum. I mean, mm. it's it's astonishing, some of this stuff. Um, he doesn't see any problem with some of these things, but I mean... Why don't we, as a nation, I'm not just talking about the president, but us as Britain, why don't we just look at this guy and go, poor bloke? Well, I think um, a lot of people will will celebrate Harry for, for being brave enough for speaking out like this, regardless of the money, regardless of the, of the, the issues with his family, which are, which are in, increasing by the, uh, by the day, it seems. The fact that he's been able to put his thoughts down, as he says, get his truth out there, sick and tired of, of all the things that have been written about him over the last 38 years. Why, why on earth wouldn't he do it, given the opportunity? So I, I do think it will become a, it will be a cathartic process for him. One hopes he finds a solace in this process, because, as I say, he, he does feel, to me, like a bit a particularly... Um, unhappy soul, and uh, and and that's not nice for anybody, is it? We, we we want the family to be able to get along. I do think there will be some reconciliation on the horizon. I do think the family will be worried for him. I think there will be some introspection from their point of view to say, you know, we did fail him, as uh, as Charles said himself uh, during one of their dinner meetings. I should have got you the help that you needed. Harry, to his credit, says it wasn't your fault, Pa. Um, so hopefully, in the future, there will be a bit of a bit of a coming together and stop the mudslinging. I suppose. Well, I have to see now, Caroline, Caroline. Sorry if I've got the pronunciation wrong. His book was intended to upset people who he believes has wronged him. It's quite malicious, really. Basically, it's a form of trolling his enemies via his written words and verbal accounts. Harry might say he's just getting his own back. How many words have been written about him over the years? billions, trillions. And how many words has he written here? 500 pages. Um, mm -hmm. He would say he's just, this is merely one punch in a, in a huge battering that he's had. Pammy says his childhood trauma is very prevalent. He hasn't felt or heard growing up and this is his way of seeking validation, clearly. Um, but one of the things we've got uh, very quickly before we move on to uh, uh, our quiz, we've got a little quiz coming up at the end for Russell to test his knowledge. But <laughs> We want to talk about, because obviously it's really deficient, we want to talk about the fallout and what's going to come next. So Nicola McLean's in the paper today talking about a night on tequila shots she had with Harry and her husband, but that's mentioned a bit more lower down. Um, this is what's going to happen next, isn't it? Because he's lifted the lid off, Russell. Mm. All the people who feel that they've got something to add, who may well have just not mentioned it previously because you don't talk about your friendship with the royals, and now have no reason to keep their mouths shut, do they? What's next? Are we going to hear from his dealer? Well, we, we you, you might do. You might well find people coming out of the woodwork who have felt um, the, that the pressure had been on them to not ever speak uh, about his affairs. But the fact that, I mean, all his friends, all the associates from, from years gone by will be questioning their relationship with him, won't they? I mean, 
as you say, what is next? We've already heard from a, from a woman who shared a kiss with him, him talking about sleeping with someone, uh, losing his virginity behind, behind, about, say, behind the bike sheds, but it was behind a pub, wasn't it, on a grassy verge? But it, the detail is, is absolutely incredible. So there will be a lot of people um, questioning their relationship and, and probably some thinking about what they can get out of the situation as well. So it's not going to go away anytime soon, is it? No, I think this is going to follow him for his whole life. And it's a case of how he, he's going to have to come to terms with it. He's either going to have to go and live in a cave and be a hermit. Uh, but if he's moving to California, uh, I'm sure that's where he may be happier. And he's apart from his family and he's got his own media operation that's not linked to the palace or dependent on his dad. He's got his financial independence and all that may be great. And his, his wife is near her mum and so on. And he's growing up, children growing up in a nice $14 million estate. But he's in the land of the free where the paps and the press have the right of the constitution behind them to do whatever the hell they like. And, you know, it's actually a bit worse from a media perspective in the States than it is here. So perhaps not the best place to avoid paparazzi. And he's certainly getting papped while he's there. Um, but I think it's a case of him achieving happiness. And I think everybody, whether you like Harry or not, whether you like Meghan or approve of what he's done or not, everybody just wishes him the best we actually want him to be happy um and i think most people who report on him have said that over the years russell they just you and your colleagues in the royal court core who he hates so much everybody just actually feels quite sorry for some of these people and they just they just want them to if this yeah. is how it's going to be happy go and be happy i think that you know a lot of people have been doing this job a lot uh, longer than i talk about famous when Harry was uh, fantastic to be around, loved being around the press. I mean, he would come down, have a beer with them, laugh and a joke. I mean, going on royal tours can be quite arduous. Um, I don't know he's been on benders with, for goodness well, sake. Uh, listen, I mean, he was just, he, he, he seemed a lot happier. And at some stage, it's um, it's it's grated with him that he, he hasn't been able to deal with it anymore. So I would just conclude by saying um, I, I do find some of the, the issues in his book troubling. Um, and I'm, you just you just wish him the best because it's never nice to see someone admitting to, to, to struggling. And I think no. that's what he has articulated in the book. Yeah, hopefully he will find some peace. Uh, mm. I think it's the important thing. Right, thank you everyone for taking part. Thank you for all your comments and questions. If you've got any more you want us to wrap on, uh, then uh, leave them in the comments and we'll, we'll try and get to them at the end. But first off, we've got a bit of a quiz because I want to test Russell's knowledge. Um, it's yeah. very short. <laughs> uh, so uh, we'll start off with an easy one for you. What was Harry's nickname and how did he get it? Uh, is, is, it's Harold, and I forget how he got it. You're, you can enlighten ah, me. You're looking for a, I'm looking for a different answer. His nickname, uh, which he got in Botswana, was Spike. Um, oh, yes. Okay. Can you tell us how he got the nickname? No, I can't. No, no, no. I do remember the, reading this bit, though. In the, this, I remember reading this bit in the Sp Spanish translation. Yeah, oh, so uh, uh, it was probably El Spico or something. But no, he <laughs> it was, I think because his hair is sticking up or something like that. He had very thick hair at the time. The way it had grown back after it got shaved at Eton yes. um, by accident. And then he went to Botswana and it grew back a bit spiky. And so he got nicknamed Spike. Now, so which bodyguard, what was the name of the bodyguard who saved Harry from a hand grenade? Oh, gosh. Uh, Mark. on top of it. Mark. Billy the Rock. Zero out of two so far. <laughs> Zero out of two from the, Russell, uh, from the Royal Correspondent. Now, who bowed to Harry when he went to Afghanistan as a soldier? His brother. Incorrect. Gurkhas. 
Oh right, yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> he it's was a bit saluting him, it's sandering him, isn't it? Yeah, this is a, this is a disaster, Susie. We have this to is really this. bad so far. I want your job. So, um, when he was in Afghanistan, he was a forward operating base. There were yeah. guys there. They all called him Saab, and they bowed to him whenever he crossed the compound. Uh, now, maybe you can get this one. What alcoholic drink does Harry not like? Pass. He's drinking gin and tonic, tequila, everything. He hates beer. He doesn't. Oh, yeah, I mean, he, he, I'm sure I've seen him drinking a beer before. So <laughs> yeah. I don't know why he hates beer. This may be one of the recollections may vary. Yeah, I think so. I think this is one of the uh, one of those issues. In the yeah, book. right. So four questions. The fifth one, the last one, Russell. Can you try to get this one right? Good lord. <laughs> I mean, they are pretty left field, these questions. Try and pull it back a bit. Now, who or what did Prince Harry refer to as very scary malware? Malware? Malware. He was talking about uh, computers and about computer how he was programmed. Twitter. Sorry? Twitter, social media. No, the royal family. There we go. So not out family. of five on the most bizarre questions known to man. But there is... <laughs> Don't play this to the boss. I'll never live it down. <laughs> yeah. uh, so I think we've proved Harry's point that royal correspondents just... They, they don't know anything, they of course. Know. Exactly. <laughs> Zero out of five. But even <laughs> I'm surprised by that one. So that's astonishing. Well done. Top marks. Um, right. Thank you, everyone, for taking part. Um, I don't think we've got any questions to wrap on. During this talk, by the way, we've been trending on YouTube. We have been, uh, we've got six times the viewers we started with. Welcome, everybody. Uh, if you want to catch up later on, pod, you can replay this from the beginning if you came in late. You can listen to us on a podcast if you've got something else to do. If you look at uh, Spotify, iTunes, and you can join us next Monday for another proper edition of the news agenda where we'll be talking about the big stories of the day and explaining what's really going on with them with a special guest not sure who it is next monday but it'll be another one of our staff and you can come in and join us on this channel then so if you haven't seen us before come back on monday mondays and wednesdays 9 a.m we're always here thank you russell for taking part yeah, um go and, go and read the book again and, and take some notes next <laughs> yeah no i don't think i want to to be honest it's been a bruising <laughs> experience like the family i imagine <laughs> thank you for taking us through all that crikey has gone on for an hour uh we'll see you all again later on at some time i'm sure and i expect we'll see prince harry as well because he's bound to make another appearance on this show thanks everybody tatty bye <laughs>